Mod Podcast listeners, welcome to another installment of the Domovex Show, where we continue the tournament in the Ten of Swords Marvel event. I am your host, Dominic Torres, the professor, and here again at my side is my awesome friend, awesome co-host, Mr. Dylan Gray. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. A little bit tired. This, this time of year with all the cold and the over the huge amount of work I usually get is... Uh, it's kind of draining on me, but you know, I always have energy to talk about Hickman X-Men. Let me tell you about that, alright? I'm, I'm here, I'm ready, and these four issues you had me read were, well, I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit of a, of a left turn that I thought it was going to It was take. so weird. It's such, a, it's such a weird left turn. Before we get into that weird left turn, as you said, uh, we, I want to make sure that all the listeners out there, to all of you who are subscribed to the podcast, we do again have our new mail in site where you can ask us questions at domovexpodcast at gmail.com. That's at domovexpodcast at gmail.com uh, where you guys again can send in your stuff. Whatever you guys want to have, whatever you guys want to ask, we are here to answer uh, your questions and the support as well is uh, awesome. So yeah, let's credit our and pre- comments. Comments are important too, guys. I mean, for instance, a, a fellow a hardcore listener and fan and good friend of ours, David Leskin, posted on uh, on our Instagram about how he is a filthy, but I think he's he says, but the main thing he is is a twenty three and me, which is an X twenty three stand, and I have to agree. Uh, I am also a 23 and me, and I believe you are as well. Right? I am as well. No, there is a. I, I still have yet to meet a person who does not care for Laura Kinney. I, I love her with all of my heart, and I and as we'll be talking about in the uh, last Tenosaurus issue, we are we are eagerly going to be awaiting her return from the vault. If you guys have not read X Men number five, you guys should go ahead read the early Hickman stuff. But yeah, let's yeah, let's just let's just delve in right into it. Yes, and, and our are the issues that we're gonna be covering in this episode are Excalibur 14, Wolverine number seven, X Force number 14, Hellions number six, with the story by Teeny Howard, Benjamin Percy, Jerry Duggan, and Zeb Wells, with art from Phil Noto, Josh Cassara, and Carmen Carnero. And and we I think we remember uh, from the Marauders sort of two parter where they had the dinner. Uh, the whole hey, let's before the tournament starts, let's let's introduce everybody to each other. Let's go eat. Let's have let's have a meal with Krakoa and Arako, and and let's let's introduce our our sword bearers uh, with each other. And at the end of that two parter, we had uh, Iska the Unbeaten uh, being summoned by Opal Luna Saturnine, uh, and and Opal Luna Saturnine essentially says that yeah, you are going. Iska is going to be fighting. Uh, Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, in the first sword event. How surprised were you with the, with the outcome of literally the, the, that entire fight sequence, which I I think was like half of half of Excalibur fourteen. How how what do you think? What did you think about it? Well, first of all, I I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought that. She stood up to the unbeaten the right way. Um, the ending kind of came like kind of randomly, uh, you know, with the whole shattering of the sword and herself. I thought, um, I think though, it was obvious that she was going to lose though. I mean, there's just no way around it. She's going against someone called the unbeaten, whose mutant powers they can't lose. And how do you beat someone that's unbeaten? You, you can't. 
you really can't. The best you can do is tie. That that's the best you can do is just tie someone. Um, but you know what can you do? Uh, she she shattered, and now Betsy is gone. And uh, Brian was very upset about that, as he should be. I thought he was about to wail on Saturnine right then and there, but everyone stopped him. Oh man, like it was so weirdly. I don't know. It, it just it just felt like it was way too rushed. I think it could have been a tad bit longer because I love good sword fights. I think we both love uh, good sword fights. And, and Betsy at least trying to put up a fight or like a longer one against Iska I think would have been more emotionally satisfying. Because now we just see her shattered. She's, she's literally shattered as Iska. I like I like the introduction where where Iska is talking about her sword and being beaten is one of the words for it, and she just taunts her, and then the sword clashes and 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 Betsy just shatters literally into a million pieces, and it's like wow it's it's like I don't know it it looks like she's part you know like those weird murals at churches, where like they have like these windows uh, and 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 it's just like a, stained that's, that's glass what, right stained the stained glass, glass. that's yeah. that's what uh, that's what Betsy. I felt like uh, in this in this ten of swords issue, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like she's all she's died, she's dead. <laughs> yeah, she's 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 broken by the unbeaten, you know. <laughs> and honestly, seeing her when they put her against her, I mean, it was obvious that she was going to lose and she was going to die. I was expecting a lot more death in this event, but you know, we can't win them all, right? Oh no, and, and Betsy for sure did not win any of them as Araco is now given a point by Opaluna Saturnine in this weird and odd <laughs> Ten of Swords a tournament. You know what else was weird for me in this issue was the unexpected marriage between Cypher and Bay the Blood Moon. I, I, I was like, where did this come from? Because we had we had no prior setup. The only the only thing that we see from the both of them, I think I think it was in Marauders fourteen where Bay uh, like intimidated Cipher before the whole uh, feast or, or whatever you want to call it. And I was like, okay, this is where they're gonna take the event. I I I I did not know. I still don't like weeks later. I still don't know how to feel uh, about the whole. Yeah, Cypher and Bay are now happily together, and, and now they're married, which is, again, so weird. Like, it is really, really weird. <laughs> well, it's, I, well, look, you have to think of it this way. Like, a lot of things, like, opposites attract. Things that are, are different and weird to us can be very attractive. And what's more attractive to someone that can understand every language than someone he can't understand? You know what I mean? Like, she's constantly talking, and he has no idea what she's saying. And, like, I feel like it just makes him more intrigued by her. And then, like, you know, during the wedding, she takes her helmet off, and you're like, wow, uh, Bay is, <laughs> she's actually Bay. Like, what's up? <laughs> like, she's actually hot. I'm like, okay, okay. Okay, Cypher. And I, I hope, I hope that she comes back to Krakow with them, and, like, they, they, they have this marriage, and it's a real, real thing moving forward in in the x-men series because i think it's kind of cool to have someone that's got his back you know he's already got the island he's got warlock and now he's got bay like what else do you need and what if warlock okay so so we you talked about how 
Cypher can't understand her language because Cypher, as we both know, is the mutant translator. He knows literally every single language, you know, on planet Earth and a couple more and created the language for Krakoa uh, for communication. What if Warlock is jealous of Bay and the fact that I, I know that Warlock and, and Cypher are best friends and all that. What if he's deliberately blocking Bay to communicate to Cypher? Because he's jealous. Because he's jealous that he didn't get to participate in a sword fight and or his best friend is getting true love while he isn't. I'm going to have to say 100% no. I don't see Warlock being jealous. Um, there's our, there's already... the uh, In all new X-Factor, he ends up hooking up with Danger. So, I mean... what what I think he understands about like love and, and being with people and all that kind of stuff so i i honestly don't see it being a, a jealousy kind of thing but that's really interesting to think can't i know they're connected but are they connected on that type of level where the where he can literally like get into his mind block thoughts and all that kind of stuff because i was not aware of that i would i want to know because the the power of the technarch i think we saw again this in powers of 10 number four where cypher is introduced and we get a uh, devi into all of his uh, uh powers and all that sort of stuff I, it's extensive. Uh, if you remember in the giant size uh, Nightcrawler issue, we had Cypher uh, literally uh, bludgeoning out of, of, of uh, or Warlock bludgeoning out of Cypher as, as they attempted to communicate with all the weird bugs um, and all of that. Um, I don't know, man. It, it was just the, the powers and the extent of Warlock, I, it's huge. I, I, for me, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I just thought it was. It would be a small possibility. Uh, I I still need to read all new X Factor. I really want to read it someday. But uh, yeah, like Warlock. I don't know. It just feels like Warlock. He should. I don't know. It, Warlock is weird. I th I think he should have gotten a little bit more. And it would be cool if there was that added sort of second layer uh, to all of this behind him. Well, you know, with Cipher, the most important thing about cypher is being able to write stories that we care about because he's i'm sorry he's lame he's the lamest of, of all the x-men powers he may have the most useful but he's the lamest and that's why they had to give him warlock back in the day because they had to make him somewhat cool and now he's got bay i mean come on <laughs> i think it's great i think it's going to open the door to a lot of really cool new mutant stories i think it's going to open the door to a lot of cool things that are going to happen on krakoa i mean what I, I'm into it. I really am. I th I think it was. It's a really cool thing to bring into the canon, and I am I'm 100% here for that because Bay is cool. Bay is a really awesome character. She's strong. She's fierce. She looks. She literally called him their her beloved in the 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 in the vows that she said were just so beautiful. Like he couldn't understand a word, but Apocalypse was like, "Trust me, bro. Say yes. Yeah, that's some good stuff that she just said." Oh, I, I can, I can sympathize with that. I think at the end of the day, we should both be happy for the fact that a young mutant found love. He found love in this event, and now he's happy in in all the in all the war and chaos. Like we got a chance to breathe, and we were like, "Yo, this this young dude, he's getting together with this fierce, very strong, very capable a woman who is going to be at his side, and and sort of a marriage between." Uh, the Krakoan 
and the Aricoan uh, ways of life. And now those two join it together. I think the fact that they, the fact or we have make more mutants and all that, I think it's just really cool to have Cypher just be lawfully wedded and, and together with, with this amazing character. I think that, they, and like you said, they're this, I think the possibilities to what they could add or both of them could add you know, to their characters and with the entire story of the Hickman storyline, there's a lot that they, they can pull from, from this one wedding alone. I mean, give them a solo series. You know what I'm saying? Cypher and Bay, like who's Cypher and Bay, bro. Cypher and Bay. I would read the hell out of that, okay? And have Percy write it because I want deep character work. Or hell, let's have Tom King write it. You know what I'm saying? He likes Bat Cat. <laughs> let's see him do. He, he likes <laughs> Mr. Miracle and Barda. Let's see him do Cypher and Bay. That would be, tell me that would be awesome. Tell me you wouldn't read that book. I'd read it. Put uh, Doc Shader or Mitch Gerard's on the art and have it be all this. Oh my god! Dude, Mitch doing Warlock? Oh my god. The the his his styling, his shading and coloring would look so freaking cool. Oh my god. Yes, I'm here that. for that. I would read that and we and hope yeah, and hopefully we will have more uh, to uh, talk about that when when that time comes because these two uh, are definitely going to be at sort of the heart of some of these uh, mutant storylines to come with uh, the, again, the weird wedding uh, between uh, the both of them. I think we also, we're also moving on along with the tournament. We have Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan uh, teaming up again for, for the next couple of issues of Wolverine, which again, I keep saying, Adam Kubert keeps killing it on the covers. The cover to Wolverine number seven is just fantastic. <laughs> if you guys... I haven't seen it yet. Go check it out. It's it's so awesome. No, very, very cool. Very artsy. Not fartsy, just artsy. And I, I, it just, you know, usually you see these Wolverine covers and it's just like, let's, it's to decapitate people, blood all over the place, him drinking, him growling. But this was just, this was a little bit more. This was a little bit more, a little more uh, high highbrow, if I may, you know, and I, I really liked it. What do you think? I dude, I I'm just in love with the the weird X panel where you got the X, you got Wolverine and a whole bunch of swords and all sticking out, and he's there and that's there. I'm I'm telling you, man, like Cooper has drawn some of the best tennis swords covers like in this whole event alone. He, again, he's just killing it with the cover content, and I'm really satisfied with the amount of work and effort that he's he's put into uh, the Logan line in in Hickman X Men. Oh, for sure. I mean, just him in general just kicks ass anytime he picks up that pencil. Look, let's just be real. Oh, no. it's a, He's a Kubert. He is awesome. And with that, uh, we'll, we'll take a short uh, commercial break so, so we could talk about uh, the Grand Geek Gathering and what they've got going on. To my podcast listeners, the Grand Geekery is the best show for all news on pop culture, as well as a diversified variety of segments conventions and everything nerdy hosted by our very own tyler mcphail and with lamar harris the show runs twice a month and is available on all platforms please go ahead and check it out at the grand geek gathering or wherever you listen to your podcasts all 
Alright guys, welcome back uh, to the Dom of X. Uh, after this, you know, that quick commercial break, we are back. We are back with Mr. Dylan and, of course, your your lovely uh, co-host Dom, or host Dom, I should say. Uh, we are continuing, again, the Ten of Swords event with uh, the Wolverine uh, X-Force. Again, two-parter, uh, this time, again, at the hands of Percy and Duggan. And let me just say that the the Magic Pogger Pog arm wrestling match at the beginning uh, of the Wolverine issue. It was definitely interesting. But hey, like, I'll take an arm wrestling match. I thought the, I thought the panel work for that was pretty solid. It was really cool. Yeah, you know, after watching, you know, you think that this, this whole series is going to be just a bunch of sword fights. They even start, the very first thing is a sword fight duel. And then it gets to the wedding. And you're like, yo, what's happening? And then he's like, all right, now we're doing arm wrestling. I'm like, what? What's happening? Where are we going with all this? I'm I'm surprised that Magic lost as well. That that's what was what most surprised me because I'm like, I don't know. I think Magic's a pretty strong girl. She she kicks ass. She literally kicked Limbo's butt. Like she can kick you to hell. And and the fact that she she gets to be, I thought she'd win. I was like, there is no way in heck Pogger Pog is gonna win this, and and she loses somehow. I'm like, because, and she says this, she says it, it's not about skill, it's literally just about just brute strength, that's why she was kind of upset that she had to do an arm wrestling, because her, she's very strong, okay, she's, she's very powerful, but like, that doesn't mean she's good at arm wrestling, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what, that's completely fair, that's absolutely completely fair, by the way, let's, let's rally it on, on the scoreboard, we have Arako leading 3-1 to one at the moment, the only point that Krakoa has gotten was from the wedding. So we had Betsy die, which was a point to Arako. Uh, and then the whole wedding happened. And it was points for both of them because everyone's happy. And now Arako has won another part in, in this tournament. It is now uh, 3-2-1. Let's see if Arako uh, can hold the lead. And and again, it's a Wolverine issue. So now we have Wolverine content. And he's facing off against uh, our very, very much hated... Uh, high summoner of the island of Arako, and these two have to hand in hand uh, and deal in, with with each other. Yeah, uh, I hate the summoner. God, he just sucks. So like, you look at him and you just want to kill him. Like, there's just that. There's the way he just looks, the way he stands, the way he everything he's done in the entire like uh, X Men run of of Hickman's stuff it's just he's just uh he just drives me crazy and seeing him murdered was just uh it was so delightful it was and and not to mention the the panel work and and the beautiful fight scene that that Joshua Kassara who is I think announces as, as one of Marvel Stormbreakers not too long ago the way that he lays it out on these pages and and these two fighting and clashing with with the windows and the shards and literally everywhere it was like holy crap like this is he's going next level with the art like he's putting in the work and putting in the effort i, I really appreciated that definitely definitely the layouts the, the 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 action progression all of it was just beautiful and uh kudos like kudos seriously like i know you're stormbreaker but you're acting more like a melnir if i'm being honest oh absolutely absolutely and, and just again smashing art like you look at some of these pages you look at this one and it's like holy crap the amount of work that you had to put into that and with all of these 
weird demons and and the summoner putting in the like we remember from x-men number two where you find out that the summoner could could get the demons and whatever the heck else creatures he wanted onto the page and wolverine is just fighting and and to see the sword literally through uh the summoner's head with uh wolverine killing him was like yes he's finally dead we don't have to worry about this whiny man anymore. We are free. That's that's how I felt. I know that's how you felt. It's 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 just like pure relief. It's like we don't have to deal with them anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad too because I was worried because the on the on the card that Wolverine gets like it does not look very favorable for Wolverine. Like he's like got a choke. The summoner's got a chokehold on him. He's on top of him. It's it's just and I was just like, what's going on here? Like, is this really gonna happen? I, I feel like they did it just to make us all mad because we all hate the summoner. I haven't met one person be like, you know what, that summoner character, he's really cool. I want to hear more from him. No, everyone wanted him dead from like the first issue. And I was ready too. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy sucks. This guy sucks. And I know you hate my boy, my favorite Cyclops, but I do not like anyone who disrespects him or his family. His family went out to Krakoa to figure out what the heck was going on. And then they find the summoner. Okay. And and then the summoner again, like we we've covered it in the in the first Hickman X Men issue, he literally summons a whole bunch of demons and has Rachel, uh, Nathan, and Scott at his fingertips. And I was like, why? I'm just trying to figure out what's so what what's happening on the island. And then later in X Antenna Swords Creation, we had literally the High Summoner betray Apocalypse, and it made me feel stuff for Apocalypse. Like, that should not... His own grandfather. His own grandfather, dude. Like, come on. I know you haven't seen him ever, but he's your grandpa. I mean, come on, bro. I would never, I would never try to kill my grandpa. Ever. Never, ever, ever in my entire life would I... Especially, like, it's a family member, man. Like, what did he ever do to you? Like, you guys hugged, and he, and you're like, oh, like, yeah, Krakoa and Arako will finally be together. And and high, the High Summoner, and I think at X Men number twelve, he literally is about to enter the port or the gateway into Arako, and he says to Apocalypse, "You will be the one who who will who will finally get these two to join together and and be exalted high." And the only exaltation he gets is a freaking stab in the stomach as he's mortally bled to death. And it's like, can we just get him dead already? Like enough of this double witchery. Like, Logan's had enough, okay? Like, we were all Logan that day when we read this issue. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was a bloody. Everyone was a bloody reading that issue, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. No. It's now still, though, it's a point for Arako because Opaluna Saturn and I uh, says that the two have to fight to death. And the summer literally fought himself to death. And, and Logan is just like... You gotta be kidding me! And and as he's trying to yeah, talk uh, about a turn of phrase like Saturnine is just oh god, she was make she makes me so frustrated. Just like everything she's setting up is just like to screw over the mutants and and Krakoa. <coughs> everything she's doing is just screwing over the Krakoans. And come on, like every fight to the death, and then she does, and then oh oh you lost, like ah. Uh, which made a lot of sense because I was like, anyone that's going to go up against Wolverine's going to die. You know, that's just going to happen because he's the best at what he does. And what he does is killing people. Feel me? You just have to get a hand. It's like, 
Where is the fair? You know what? I want a fair fight. I, I really do. Like, I, 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 you, you're going into this. You're reading this. I'm reading this, and I'm like, why is Krakow all of a sudden getting its its swindle turned by this weird blonde lady who's pulling all the strings, and and because of the turn of words, it has to end out that way. And Logan finally does what he's supposed to do, which is kill uh, the actual <laughs> actual person, and and it somehow ends in a point for the other team. It, it's it's sort of like, well, at least the the guy's dead. You know, that's that, I think that's the most important part of all of this uh, nonsense <laughs> that happened uh, between the both both of the summoner and and uh, and Lo- and Logan uh, in in that fight. Definitely, at the end of the day, I'm just happy he died. Whether he Logan lost or not, the summoner's dead, and we don't ever have to talk or see him ever again. You know, amen, amen to that. I- can, I, can we also say that I, I actually, this actually might be one of the most uh, fun parts uh, I, I had in, the, in this two-parter. Uh, it's the conversation between uh, Wolverine and Storm. I always enjoy uh, these two whenever uh, they talk, you know, they pair up or, or just you know, have a drink. Like right now, they're, they're just having I a drink ship with them. Me. I ship them so hard. Oh my God, I love their relationship. I just love it. And even whether it's romantic or not, it's just really good to see them hang out, have a few drinks, and just laugh, you know? Because we never really get to see either one of them do much of that, you know? Because there's always there's always a threat, you know? Always a threat for those guys. And I appreciate their friend. Like, again, it doesn't actually doesn't really matter to me if, if they're in a relationship or not. Uh, I know that some people do ship them. I'm sort of indifferent on it. I don't, I, again, like, I don't care but the what makes the both of them work again i think is the dynamic between them i think the understanding or just the mutual respect that both of the both of them have between each other you know like logan being the uh hardened old uh, old grumpy old dude and and storm a literal goddess uh from africa uh and and you, again you just see the both of them and it's like yeah we're, we're just having a toast we're just having a drink finally get to take a small break from this crazy tournament that's happening outside and they're just they're just putting they're just putting their their uh, their drinks up their toasts up and that to me is satisfying it's emotionally satisfying for those two characters and you'd love to see it on the page definitely definitely um <laughs> and it's funny like just all of all of the different i guess what what would you call them? Um, different contests that they have to go through, and just the way that Saturday Night set, sets it all up, you know, is just so funny. It's like, okay, you guys are gonna drink, go up against each other. Like, uh, okay, so we're gonna just have a drinking contest. Like, who wins? It's like you both win. You know, no one loses in a drinking contest. Absolutely, no one loses, and you you are indeed correct. This is this is actually also not related to the tournament, but I would I, I like I would like to point this out here uh, because I actually enjoy this trio ship of uh, this sort of poly ship more than uh, the other one that was introduced to us uh, in House of X number six. Uh, we get uh, sort of a rekindling of the flame uh, between Logan and and Storm uh, in this issue, right? Uh, the, the two are literally. About to, you know, they're, they're drunk, they're, they're toasted, but they're literally about to kiss uh, before <laughs> uh, Logan gets snapped away temporarily to go find <laughs> another part of the tournament. 
I would honestly, I, I think you remember the text I sent you where I, I was like, everybody, Scott, Gene, Logan, me, I sent you a picture of um, the, a rework panel with Logan, Kurt, and Storm in it instead of the three. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that they're, they're, Logan is could be in two poly relationships instead of one. That to well, me is no, great. See, that's, that's, that's the thing uh, about Polly. I believe it's all one relationship. You know what I'm saying? He's just polyamorous. So it's not that he's in two different poly relationships. He just has two relationships because he's poly. So weird. So freaking weird, man. And yeah, again, nothing to do with the tournament. I, I just wanted to point it out because... Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it happened. It's canon. It can't, what can we do about it, right? Um, and, but, and, and you know what? While, while you brought up Nightcrawler, I don't want to see Nightcrawler with anyone. You know, I, I like him as a monk. I like him as, you know, just, just being very spiritual and just being, you know, abstinent. Like, And plus, who, who wants, he's got three toes and three fingers. Who wants to touch that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh man, absolutely! Get over the blue skin, but not the hands and feet. That's where <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Okay. Oh my gosh! You know what? We're gonna be talking hope more about Nightcrawler in in our reign of tense or in of X stuff because that man has a literal religion that he's about to create, and we we can't wait to uh, get into it. Uh, but yeah, it's yes. So you know, <clears throat> I think I think. I think, you know, it was great that they got to hang out and, and spend some time and almost kiss, but I'm not going to lie, I was really upset when he when it was the Arako versus Arako fight, and here comes here comes Solemn, I thought we were going to see some awesome Solemn action, and he literally says, no, Wolverine's going to fight for me, and I'm going to dip out, peace out, yo, and he literally just jumps out of there, and she's like, I'm not going to fight him, he's like, uh, well, he killed your son, okay, maybe you might want to fight him. Exactly. It was sort of like a weird cop-out. Now, I think it is interesting because that means we'll, we will get Solemn in Percy's Wolverine run, which I actually am excited for. I think there's, the, again, the whole adamantium uh, the, and the Loki dynamic uh, between him and Wolverine makes it interesting for him to actually just just go out of this event, and that, that makes a good rivalry, I think, for the both of them. But... Um, Weird that he copped out because of it, and more interesting in the fact that Krakoa continues to lose more points uh, because Wolverine does indeed lose the sword fight with war. I think it's kind of good because I don't think it's been done. You know, we've we seen like Superman has Mixoplex, Thor has Loki, so Wolverine really hasn't had someone, a trickster kind of god to kind of mess with him, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see someone like that because always... With him, it always comes down to like honor, um, violence, uh, or love. Those are usually his story arcs. So to kind of see someone that just literally just wants to mess with him, I'm, I'm here for that. Absolutely, absolutely. And and again, the the potential in storytelling because we will not have Sabretooth, I will guess, for the next one, two, three years, or however long he stays in Krakoa's dump waste, uh, rotting in exile. And and Omega Red, you know, he's there too. But we need we need someone else. And I think Solom uh, jumping out from this event over into the main Wolverine book whenever he does appear, uh, there is again there's a lot of potential in the rivalry dub between the both of them. Definitely, definitely. What where where could, could they go with it? You know, uh, it's really. And I thought I could have sworn that it's canon that 
humans created created adamantium. Am I wrong there? Because obviously it's it's that dude's skin is made of it. So maybe it is like a naturally reoccurring element. I thought it was an alloy of iron, but I, I could be wrong. Or this just could be just some new canon. You know, who knows? There might be a backstory there, you know? I will actually want to know more about that because you are right. Adamantium is an indestructible man-made steel alloy that was created and, and that's you know, implanted into Wolverine's skin and that's how we got gets his claws and skeleton and all that now that we have an aracoan who's literally lasted longer than than most of these other uh fools of the x-men on Dracoa and all of that have i want to know if there's an opportunity for hickman and co to retcon the adamant the current adamantium uh i guess origin and sort of retwist it so that Hey, maybe it comes from a different island and humans were able to take some of that uh, formula or influ influence and put it into, you know, w whatever the heck Wolverine went into. And I, I, and I think we've said, I think you've said it before where you want to see Hickman or Percy sort of go into Wolverine's new origin because of the retcons in House of X and Powers of Ten. This is an opportunity for the X office, I think, too, if they want to. Explain what the actual part of adamantium is with the new X lore, how it all fits in. Again, just a lot of story potential, I think, behind yeah. it. Where's it from? What's it doing? Um, is it maybe those uh, Weapon X guys got it from another dimension? You know what I mean? Like, it's very, there's so much they can play around with. And hopefully we can see Hickman in the X office really kind of have fun and, like, give us some new stuff. Because that's what I love about this whole thing. That's and why it's written so well is at the end of it, all of it can be rebooted because that's that's the way it's set up with all the the lives of Moira, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, and we and we do find out, guys. We do find out what uh, Solon wanted. If you guys remember from the Wolverine X Force first parter, in the event, Solon uh, gives the uh, Muramasa sword uh, to Wolverine uh, because of. A favor or, or something that he asked of Wolverine and that thing was a fight well he got the fight he just didn't fight Wolverine but yeah hopefully we can get some more Wolverine uh solemn fights in the future I, I am excited for that and to be drawn by by Kubert and Bogdanovich no less like that's awesome yes let's let's do it I want it I want it I need it I love this character I want more I was I'm not gonna lie I was disappointed from his lack of stuff. He had that one issue early on in X of Swords, which was really cool. And then it was just kind of a, kind of not sticking the landing there, if I'm being honest. I wanted more content of him. But maybe they're gearing up to show us some really cool stuff. Because I don't even think they even talk about where he goes or anything. He just kind of jumps off the, the, the fight, the whatever you want to call it, the platform that they're on. And then that's it. That's all we see of him. Yeah, exactly. I, again, more setup. Let's hope that uh, Percy, Hickman, and co. can continue to flesh out the Solemn character and, and the rivalry between them. But regardless, again, we're both happy that uh, he gets a chance to shine a post-Tenosaurus. Because I, I do think that he has the most, uh, out of all of them, he probably has the most potential uh, to land as one of the best uh, Hickman creations uh, in this new uh, era of X-Men. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, we... we uh... 
You know what? It's so weird, man. Like we get we get to the the second part again of the two part Benjamin Percy Jerry Duggan uh, Wolverine X Force issues, and we find I was actually disappointed, slightly disappointed by this, and the fact that Poggerpog was not a crocodile, but instead he's like a little tiny dude in a cro- now yeah, wearing a, a crocodile. Wearing a cro- giant crocodile, yeah. That was, and that was out of nowhere, too. I did not see that coming. She just, like, magic gets swallowed by him, and I'm like, ugh. I was like, oh, well, she's just going to teleport out. And no, that was your plan from the beginning. She goes in and rips this dude out and just like, screw you, dude. Now what are you going to do? You know what? It made up for a pretty cool-looking magic moment where it's literally just a douche, and he gets kicked off which is cool i i i i it's fun it was funny i just i i i was just so weird i don't know he just wasn't as poggers as he was before i, I guess I, I guess that's what i could say from that no you were ex- with a name like pog or pog you were expecting like straight up murder well straight up going hard <laughs> you know oh yeah absolutely um, so so I think that was kind of like part of it too. Like let's like let's give you this crazy looking character with this big monstrous body and and multiple arms and and big teeth and it's actually just a dude wearing that as armor, you know? Absolutely. And I also it's it's weird because in in the X Force issue you actually get to see uh, a lot of the not like because now we actually have the tournament. They're not. They're all not sword fights. Some of them are swimming competitions. Some of them are endurance competitions. One I think was an as a freaking disco match. Oh, there there was one where it was like it was a panel. It was dancing. What essentially happens is there's a two page spread in X Force where a lot of the tournament is overlaid in like single panels. And in each of these panels, you get to see a one section of the tournament and another section of the tournament where you go from here to there to there uh, in sequential order of what happens? How do all of the players get points and all of that? And some of the, yeah, some of it was honestly really interesting. And yeah, I, I think the one I probably enjoyed the most out of the two panel spread uh, was Gorgon. Because <laughs> I, I, I love Gorgon. I, it was Gorgon and Magic and they were building a puzzle. I thought that was cool. <laughs> right? Oh, oh my God. And I hope, I, I hope Marvel get that merch i love puzzles i want that puzzle i want to make it it doesn't have to be to scale just give me a thousand piece puzzle like that with whatever was on there i want to see it i want to build it you know i think there was also a fashion there was also a fashion contest in the panel and and storm was like all dazzling and war was cool freaking logan he's just wearing some shorts and he's slugging and i'm like come on dude you could do better than that right uh, regardless it was uh i don't know it's pretty funny <laughs> it was you know and people kept telling me because you know i i waited for the issues to stack up and i read them right before the podcast and people kept telling me man this thing's getting weird i was like how can it get weird like the setups that i've read all, all this stuff is like this is just great and then how could it get weird and then when i read them today i was like oh no, this is super weird. Like, I, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, uh, this is not the direction that I thought uh, the X of Swords tournament would go. I mean, there was barely any sword action happening, to be honest. Yeah, we got, we got, a, you know, speaking of sword action, I actually want to point out that we actually had a really, really good one again in the X Force issue, and it's between the Blades of Storm and Death. We finally get the dance off. 
the actual dance-off uh, between the both of them. And I remember in Marauders, uh, fifth, or I think 14, uh, where the two were dancing and, you know, because Storm's, again, near death. And she's never really, really faced it, though. Uh, and now, they actually get to face off one another and, and Storm just completely annihilates death. I was like, yeah, that is really, really good Storm written content. Oh my god, no. Everything about... I love. I like how she fights death. I like how she beats him. Uh, I liked every, everything that's... Every single thing that Storm has done in the entire X of Swords event has been perfect. I love every bit of the Storm content. There is literally zero notes that I would give on it. It's, it's great. It shows her strength, shows her power. It's very metaphorical about all the things that she's going through and everything. Even the stuff that she went through when she was in Wakanda, getting the sword in the first place. I, the way she kills him was just like, yeah, you can't stare, you can't look death in the eyes. It will kill you. And so, hey, check this out. I got vibranium breath. Block. She, he looks at his own reflection and dies. It's really beautiful stuff. Like, it is just fantastically awesome. And again, like, I want that... I want that Storm... I want Storm written like that every single time where she gets to fully show off what she's capable of in, and so much more. than It is so awesome when you just have, again, a character that you love and they get to uh, excel in the situations that they're in. Uh, you know, they're trained for and all that. It's just, this is again really awesome character stuff uh, from the from the two of them. It's awesome. Definitely, definitely. I was very happy with it. You know, uh, the, a lot of these fights were very short lived and everything, but I I think that one, as short as it was, was perfection. I I really do. I really think it was it was probably you know, in reflecting, I think it was my favorite part of the entire series. Like it. Uh, the, the dance with death, but then the fight with death was hands down my favorite part. Absolutely, absolutely. A couple more things to add, and then we're going to take a short little break before we get into uh, the Hellions uh, doing their own thing, and, and that is a completely wild thing. But before we get to that, there's one thing I, I want to add in here. Uh, this is, again, nothing with stand-in. Uh, one is... Uh, Captain Britain, or the former Captain Britain, now Captain Avalon, Brian Braddock, is getting onto Opal Luna Saturnine's nerve. Like, he is mad. He is mad that, it's clear he's still mad that Betsy is dead. Uh, that's the most important part, because it's their family. Of course you're going to mourn for you. But also in the fact that there's that the Saturnine, she's, she's, mad, she's knowing something's up, man. Like, there is something going on between... Or the it could be rigging her. I have no idea, but yeah, it's like there's something happening behind her, and yeah, it's crazy. She is always up to no good. Let me tell you, uh, she what like talk about being obsessed with someone. She's so obsessed with Brian, like unbelievably so that she does anything and everything she can to control him, and and this fight like. Here, you have to have a race, and you're going to go up against someone that literally is, like, super slow, that can barely move, <laughs> you know, and, 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 like, oh, you, you, you think you can race them? All right, well, then here, fight these people. So she sends out these, like, robot cyborg guys, like, I don't, I don't know what they yeah, are. Yeah, you got the she, weird, she, 
Yeah, so some weird magic robots, and he's fight. He has like, okay, he's winning. He's like, this is easy, and then he has to fight them, and it causes a whole, but it causes a mess in the market, and everything has a price in the market. And as we see by Red Root breaking a super expensive, priceless thing, he she gets trapped uh, as the. I guess what would you call him the the market manager, Mister Mister Mad Jim Jasper is the market collector gets gets that weird yes guess, huh? yeah the market collector and he just he's like okay well you messed up you got to pay so you're going to now be one of my treasures here you go and he puts him in puts her in a little glass jar and Saturday Night's like well hey you lost but you also made a mess here uh, and you have no money to pay him so you're gonna have to do what I say. <laughs> hey man, it, stuff like that happens. We also get a small cameo from Mojo because he's watching it on his couch, I guess, in the Mojoverse. And yeah, I thought that was an interesting infographic. But yeah, guys, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to be talking about more of what the Great Geek Gathering has to offer in store. Then we'll be right back uh, with our coverage of Tennis Swords. In a world where all the largest pop figures in life are superheroes with capes, how about all the creators and characters who don't feel the spotlight as large as the others? What if I told you that there was an awesome podcast dedicated to the best creator-owned comics out there? Guys, Indie Comics is a show specified for all your indie comics needs. Self-publishers, branched-off creators, and small company powerhouses all come into play with them. Please go check out their show on the Grand Geek Gathering and all podcast platforms. That is, again, Indie Comics. Alright guys, we are back with the live Ten of Swords content. It's not live, but we got a coverage of it. And of course, Mr. Dylan Gray and your host, Dom Torres, the professor, is back in the building with this amazing issue of Hellions. And holy crap, it is not tied in to any of the weird Krakoan, Arakoan stuff. But oh my gosh... It is really, I, I have no words to say about like what, what Mr. Zeb Wells is just doing with these issues because, again, they have nothing to do with the tournament. But oh my gosh, they are well written, wonderfully made, and it, it's gut punching. This issue was gut punching for all of the, I think, the humorous vibe that he, he adds to it. This issue, I think Hellion's number six showed me. And I think everyone else who's been reading the series that this issue has still has that knacky Dawn of X and like it still has that feel, has that darkness vibe of oh gosh, like things can go that bad in a second, huh? And that's exactly uh, what I felt when I read it. Well, right off the bat, you see this really weird looking otherworldly guy that's on the cover, and you're like, okay. Who's this guy? What's going to happen? Obviously, he's a badass. Uh, so, where are we going to go with this? And what does he do? What does he do? He makes his own mutants. Which just totally gives Sinister a straight-up boner. Like, he is like, yes, I'm, he even has heart eyes when he finds out that the dude has mutants. It is... 
Because, yeah, these, these guys, because, again, they're not from out. They went to Araco, but the tournament's held in Otherworld, and, and they actually make quick note of that because all the Hellions realize that, hey, like, oh, my gosh, like, what you know, what the heck is happening? I'm actually really excited for, for this part because it gives Sinister a possible rival in terms of the genetic DNA creating scheme. I think that both of them, you know, both of them have because, again, one's on Araco, one's a Krakoa have a little sort of tense rival who can make the better mutant who can make the better clone who can make the best out of all of them and the fact that like we we actually get tarn his name's tarn the uncaring and he actually he has a whole pack of mutants and all this and that here uh against sinister it's like this is heaven for him it's like i can finally make stuff in my lab and he actually gets an opportunity to carry out all of that now Yes, yes, uh, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just laughing just thinking about his little mosquito bots that he sends out to steal the DNA, and I'm wondering how many of those has, does he have on Earth? Is that how we got everyone's DNA in the first place? There's little mosquito bots? It's brilliant if it is. How did, like, do those uh, get the, because you see, now that's another whole bevy of questions, like, do the mosquito bots like do they function the same do they still take out blood and put them in uh do they carry malaria and other transmitted diseases that other see like the the whole (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'm just started laughing just thinking like that sinister like makes gets like a malaria strain and puts it in his bots just like okay i'm gonna take your dna and then kill you bye I, it's totally what's you know what I'm actually gonna call this out because you knocked me down for it when we were talking about Hellions and we were talking about how Apocalypse was now this good guy who's trying to do great for Krakoa that Sinister is the same guy my man you could not be any more wrong than today when, when we re- when we read Hellions number six because oh my gosh is Sinister the same ball and douchebag that he's been for the last 40 years that he's been a character like talk about betrayal this is i think this is these are the like more seeds of more seeds planted from a person who quite possibly could betray the whole island when he gets all of the correct material which he's already on his way to this is the start this is the start of something dangerous and big wild card for Mr. Sinister. It's the start. Oh, what else can I say? Yeah, you know, we, we thought that, like, maybe he was going to be kind of a good guy. But no, he's still good old Sinister. Always up to something. Always has his own agenda. Always down to screw over the X-Men. Man. I love the fact that we still get the hilarious moments between a lot of the characters. Because, again, the character work in, this, in the story is just so phenomenal. Like, the, the I think part of my favorite one was when Empath and Grey Crow, because we already know how the two sort of have this rivalry against each other. There's a lot of rivalries with the Krakoans. That's another whole different topic. I like how Empath literally, like, comes out. Of the freaking blood. And he's like, hey, bud, it's good to see you. And uh, and Grey Crow's asking, or he's telling him, hey, you're weak. Uh, holding off the guards must have been hard on you. 
and and then Grey Crow literally stabs him, and the blood's pouring out of his stomach, and he's like, <laughs> "It's so good, it's so good, it's so so amazingly done." It's like holy crap, like it's again phenomenal issue, just phenomenal. And once and my favorite thing is Empath has now become the Kenny of the Hellions, and I'm totally here for that. Absolutely, absolutely, and. I, I, I like a lot of the facial expressions too from, from Carmen Canera's art, which is again just brilliant in in this issue and and the way that like Psylocke looks back because we get to see Wild Child, Nanny, and Orphan Maker all torn a hand at the parts of the Arakoan mutants who literally laid waste and she's just looking back and it's like, We're screwed, uh, you know, what's happened. This is actually another good this is a question for you. Sinister's clone had to be the one uh, who went with the Hellions. I'm I'm assuming that because I'm assuming it's Sinister's clone because just the way it's written uh, and the way that his body gets torn apart, it has to be his clone. There's no way that was the real Sinister who actually died on the island. Oh no, one hundred percent. That was that was definitely that was definitely a Sinister's clone that that got sent out, and that was definitely Sinister main towards the end there. Oh man, the last pages, last pages, and again, part of why I love this book because it gets you to laugh, it also gets you to dread out just because of the the dark nature that a lot of the other, some of the other Dawn of X books have held. When Sinister stabs Psylocke in the chest and kills her, you feel it. It's like it again. It's gut punching. It's wow. He literally planned all of this. Just so that he could get the Akur- uh, the Arakoan DNA. Mutant DNA. Mutant, I should ask, the Arakoan mutant DNA. And to set up his own devilish goal so that he could have stuff set up for his Hellions when they get resurrected. Because I guarantee you that when the Reign of X starts, we are going to see some Hellions change in light. Because of, again, everything that's, that's happened with, with literally all of them dead. Like, no Hellions in this are are unharmed. Like, they are all dead. They are all killed. Are, are they just, they just, like, Empath just falls to the ground. Like, he gets on Krakoa, he sees Sinister. And he just, he, he sneaks just collapses. He, gets, he, he hits the buzzer and dies in the right spot so he can, so he can be resurrected. And I, I'm really, really interested to see where it all goes. Because specifically that gigantic dude that can't eat anything. Like, why can't he eat anything? You know, and that's something that Sinister doesn't know. There's no way Sinister's going to know that. So something, whenever he, he puts this DNA into his whatever mutinies he's going to make, it's going to be something that they're not ready for. You know, like, is it, are we going to have a gremlin situation? You know, is he can't eat after midnight because he's going to turn into a gremlin? Like, let's, what, it, what could it be? And with Zeb Wells writing it, who knows? It could literally be anything. It could just be because he, he pukes up uh acid like who knows who freaking knows am i right who knows man absolutely this book should needs to last for a long time by long time i'm talking until the end of jonathan hickman's run this book is i think way too plot important and and heavy in character just because of all the people who are on it counted mr sinister counted all of these df listers that i now care for for some reason, which is crazy to me, considering that I haven't read a book with most of them in it. Uh, 
the the stuff and everything that yeah, can come out from Hellions, literally, is is what I part of what I'm most excited for. With especially with some of the Arakoan mutants that we talked about, that with the some of these guys who can't eat. Like why do why can't they eat? And why does Mister Sinister want to know so much about them? Why does Mister Sinister want to know about Araku and all of that? There is just so much on the table for Wells and Co to play with. That the possibilities of how this is all going to tie into the Reign of X stuff and with Sinister, and, and now we both know that he's the same old Sinister that is up to no good. There's just so much on the table that, that we can be played with, and I want to, I, I, I'm here to enjoy every single minute of it. I can't wait. I can't wait for the next Hellions arc to come out. Definitely. You know, um, I, I definitely like Marauders, is definitely my favorite of all the books, but I have to say. Hellions is a very close second, and I see why it's your favorite, bro. <laughs> I love the I love the end, dude. Where where <laughs> Sinister because he's like he's all he could he's all clean like he because he you know it's the real dude. I'm here. He's all grinning. He's like, how do I make this believable? How do I let the council know that all of my Hellions are dead without making a fuss? And he literally comes out and he puts some of the blood that's got that's gotten spilled out. He puts them on and he tears out his suit. My precious Hellions, they're dead. Help me! It's so well done, so well written. I I love it. It's it's so purely. But he had to get his cape. He had. To, oh my god, that part. Okay, let's talk about that part where he's like, I had to stop to get a cape, my cape, before coming here. And Kate's like, What? You literally stopped for fashion? And he's like, Psh. You shouldn't be talking without without Emma Frost. You were like had the the hand me downs or uh, the no what do you say the lost and founds of the X Men Institute for Higher Learning stuff. Right. Oh. Yep. Indeed. And and Emma's like I am sorry, but I second that. Like your garbage fashion. I'm sorry. That <laughs> for real. The 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 wild the the, the again this wild ride is crazy. Uh, and we can't wait to cover more of it when we eventually get to the Ten of Swords finale, which will come out in, in the upcoming, not next week, because next week we will be talking more about the new mutants and what they've been doing on Earth versus in space uh, with Ryder Ed Brisson. And then we will get to the finale of Ten of Swords and talk about the upcoming Reign of X stuff that is all going to come out of, of this uh, pretty fun event. Uh, and with that... Again, I want to let all you listeners know that the again the email is up, the comments are up. You can you can find us on every single platform at Domovex Studio. That's at Domovex Studio, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. And uh, the email again, the email for all you listeners, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And this is all courtesy uh, to our awesome peeps up there, upstairs. Uh, at the Grand Geek Gathering, again, thank you guys so much for, for producing, for hosting this amazing podcast. Uh, please go check their stuff out, guys. Uh, you got, again, we nothing but love and nothing but amazing stuff uh, is coming out from, from the hands of some of those podcasters and creators uh, over there. Please go check them out at thegrandgeekgathering.com. I'd like to just, again, thank my uh, awesome friend uh, Dylan for, for being here, uh, for riding with me for the last uh, 20 issues of Ten of Swords. We have four more to go, but uh, yeah, it's just been an awesome ride, and uh, I couldn't have found anyone better to uh, cover all this stuff. So uh, thank you so far for uh, the <laughs> all the awesome stuff that's come out. Yeah, no, and, and likewise, bro, like even you being a filthy, I, I still appreciate you and everything that you do for the podcast. 
I appreciate that, bud. And again, we'll see you guys next week with your professor the next time on the island of Krakoa.